0: rot 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 rot
1: rot 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 rod, rod. and any the thing about self-driving cars and the, the one thing to keep in mind that we have to respect the Air Force the you know the military grounds their airplanes under certain operating conditions not everything can drive or fly in all kinds of weather it's impossible. The Car Doctor. I think self-driving cars are going to have their limits, and that's what nobody is expecting. Everybody thinks, hey, we're going to plug a computer in it, it's going to work, it's going to do everything we want it to do, until it doesn't. Welcome to the radio home of Ron Ananian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to. For their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines, and hello and welcome on the Indian Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. It's great to be here once again. I, I, I look forward to this each and every week, and I'm uh, glad to have you uh, among my audience today, whoever you are, and um, as we get together and celebrate, because today is the day we get to talk about fixing cars. You know, fixing cars is... is. I th- Sometimes I think i got the best job in the world. I, I get to go in and, and, and see what's going on, and, and I, I was thinking in particular this week... How crazy it is, the things that I work on, all right? For example, you know, this week I worked on everything from a 2014 Chrysler product that had a hard start problem because of a BCM issue all the way down to the middle of the week was a 2003 Ford Ranger, can you say, <coughs> Carpenter Bob's truck, that let the timing chain go at 248,000 miles, and Bob's looking for a vehicle now, to a last job of the week was a 1988 Lincoln Town Car that we are replacing the steering system, four shocks, and half of the front exhaust system. And I look at the variety of, of what it is I, I, I get to do, and I, I you know, it just boggles my mind. You know, it's, it's just so very different kinds of repairs. And I, I think that's part of what's so hard for people today to understand. It's difficult enough for mechanics to deal with and work on the car. And then the average consumer, you know, thinks they know, and you just wonder what sort of misinformation is going on. And that's that's why I like being here, because I'm trying to be that that. that in between to explain what's going on so that you know. Have an Oath... No, let me think, what year is that Jeep? We have an 05 Jeep Liberty, right? An 05 Jeep Liberty got towed in. That was another car this week. That the description was, when you turn the key, it just goes click. Of course, it started when it got in for us. And the vehicle about a year and a half ago had had some big money put into it. We went through it at the customer's request because they were uh, the one... Son had gotten rid of it and gave it to his brother to give to her daughter, his daughter, um, to use in high school, and they got a year and a half out of it, put about four and a half, five grand in it, and now it needs a starter, uh, which is what we. I ended up diagnosing it to be. It, it's, I finally got it down to the point where one day, I think it was Thursday this week, I turned the key and I got the click. Other than the rest of the week, it had been in, that it started all the time, and the issue became, you know, well, we put all this money in. Is it worth spending more money on it? And, you know clearly not something easily easy to explain but clearly not something that people can understand i think because the relevance becomes it doesn't matter how much money you spent 2 years ago or a year ago or 5 years ago it, how much money do you need to spend right here and now and that's what's so important and and, and the problem is the price of that starter on the vehicle today that 2005 or the 2014 Chrysler or the 2003 Ford Ranger or the 88 Lincoln Town car, the variety of technology that's there is going to predicate and dictate how much that price is going to be for that starter. And I wonder if you guys are ready for that. And it, it really made me think about the variety of technology. I know how much variety we've got in auto repair. It's like walking into a bagel store, there's so many choices. Um, you, you know, but. Are you ready for it? And, you know, are you comparing... And I made me wonder, are you comparing the starter replacement on that 2005 Jeep? If I told you the 2014 Chrysler needed a starter, would you think that it would be roughly the same money? And would you think that the, you know, model and engine's differences aside? um, Because it's the technology in between, and that's my point. The 88 Lincoln Town Car is such a nuts and bolts vehicle... You know, I, I I came home Wednesday night. We were having supper, and Susie said, she goes, what happened to your hand? And I could see it. I had cut the knuckles on my right hand because I was working on the power steering pump, and she said, you were working on something old, weren't you? And I went, yeah, how'd you know? She goes, because your hands, right? You know, <laughs> listen to the wife. She said, you know, your hands don't get beat up when you're doing new stuff. She goes, because you're not doing anything mechanical. You're not, and if you do something mechanical, it's usually, you know, easier to get apart in one sense because it's newer she says the old stuff tends to beat you up more and i said wow you know 37 years of marriage there's an observation i gotta listen to her more um uh but you know it it, it's it's the truth that the technology really and boy let me tell you yesterday we, we we stayed late yesterday we um, we actually closed early yesterday, because yesterday was a mental health day, I decreed, um, and I mm-hmm. sent Danny home. We, we left at 1 o'clock, and um, I went for a ride upstate New York, and I'll tell you about that story a little bit later this hour. Um, but we closed early, but the last job I finished, I was trying. I wanted to get the steering box lined up in the Lincoln, and, you know, before I left, I wanted to say, okay, the steering box is finally together. I had to rebuild the rag coupling, which you can't get anymore, we had to use a kit. Uh, to repair it and got that squared away, and um, just very mechanical, very nuts and bolts. That that, that 2014 Chrysler with, with, with the no start, that would have been, you know, it, it won't have that problem. By the time that car has, and maybe this is the answer, by the time that 2014 Chrysler has the same mechanical problems as that 88 Lincoln Town car, it'll be in a junkyard because A, it won't last that long, and B, you know, the mechanical things won't fail. It'll be electronics. It'll be major component failure that will drive that car to drink, where that 2005 Jeep with the starter issue, okay, so it's, you know, it's a couple of seven $800 to put a starter in that Jeep because it's in such a rotten spot, and, you know, you'd, you'd like to get a good quality sp- starter for it. Um, that's sort of the in the middle of that 88 Lincoln and that 2014 Chrysler that that you know, so these cars were, you know, six to $800 repairs. These cars were $3,000 repairs. And the 2014 Chrysler was a $200 repair because it was software. Um, and, and you look at the differences and how it beats up your hands or not, and you say, look at the variety of technology, and are, are people able to understand that? And that's the point of this opening conversation, and that's what I really want you to think about, that, you know, you've got to expect more expensive problems of one type with that older car, but you can also and should reasonably expect expensive problems with that newer car, with certain mechanical problems and certain software issues that you won't have on old cars. I'll tell you what really kind of fouled me up. I, I haven't done it in a while, so that when I did the steering box on the '88 Lincoln, um, and if you've ever done a steering box, you'll get this. I reached for the steering. I reached for the seat belt to lock the steering wheel straight so that it wouldn't spin when I disconnected the coupling and then i realized i don't care about that there's no clock spring there's no airbag there's no i mean it can just spin it's just a wheel on a shaft whereas if that was a new car you have to lock the steering wheel in the upright position so the clock spring for the airbag doesn't unwind which is the contact coil underneath the uh, the, the airbag system so it's you know different cars different technology different problems different things in the Ways to go about it. But um, anyway, that was the week at uh, RE Automotive. Yes, Carpenter Bob, uh, he, the engine went, goodbye, see you. Um, Bob thinks he's uh, he's jinxed now because he came out of the coffee shop. Real quick story. He came out of the coffee shop on Tuesday, and some guy saw his old Ford Ranger, and he said, wow, he goes, you got one of those. And Bob says, yeah. And the guy goes, you got to watch it. Those engines blow up at 150,000 miles. And walked in, got coffee, and left. Bob went and got coffee, came to the shop. And on the way to the shop, the check engine light popped on. This is where It happened. Check engine light popped on and it started misfiring and he left it with me and I diagnosed it it turns out the right side cylinder bank this is a 4 liter Ford engine uh, single overhead cam the uh, right side of the engine has is compression by comparison to the left is off by about 20 22% and on that there's you know it's something mechanical there's only one thing it can be um, well two things we inspected the cat um Top and bottom, and there's nothing wrong with the catalytic converter, so it's mechanical in the engine. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, the, the reason I knew it was mechanical in the engine also was using the Ford factory scan tool, I was able to do an electronic cranking compression test and to determine that the right side of the motor was off. So um, poor Bob needs a motor, uh, which means he needs a truck um, at uh, 248,000 miles. Um. Yeah, he got 248 out of it, changing his oil all the time, and uh, you know. But um, yeah, that was the week. So I had to give. I had a carpenter Bob, poor carpenter Bob. I had to give him therapy about uh, no, Bob, the guy that said you needed an engine at 140, and then the engine blew up. You know, he he, he wasn't the devil. Trust me. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. And oh boy, if you saw carpenter Bob, you would get that. I'm Ronnie and the car doctor, and I'll be back right after this. Time. <laughs> Welcome back right on the end, Car Doctor. By the way, Car dot is the website. You can get streaming and podcast information there as well. And the phone number is 855-560-9900. I need a quick listener poll. Maybe I'll take a poll of the guys in the control room. Show of hands is upstate New York. Where does upstate New York begin? Because Tom's yelling at me during the break, I didn't go upstate New York this week. Where where, where was I, Tony? Wasn't I upstate New York? No, you were not upstate. How can you not say that going up the throughway is not heading towards upstate New York? Because that's a bedroom community for New York City. Get out of here. Upstate is Albany, north, and the rest of the state. You know, you're like those people that say going down the shore is going up to the shore. No. Yeah, going down to the shore. You're going south. No, they're confused too. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, I went upstate. I was up in Rhinebeck. I went there. Actually, I'll tell you real quick. You know where I went? I went to Gardner Exhaust. Cool. Um, in Rhinebeck, New York. Now here's a guy. And we're gonna twist. We're gonna twist Eric's arm and get him on the air, because um, Eric Gardner, Gardner Exhaust in Rhinebeck. Actually, I think it's Red Hook, New York, uh, which is next to Rhinebeck, is remanufact or manufacturing replacement exhaust systems for muscle cars. And it's just amazing what he's doing. I'll talk about that a little later on. But that's where I went upstate. So there. Let's get over and talk to Ken. In Florence is that the uh, Florence, Mississippi. Um, where is that? Ken, welcome to the Car Doctor. Where are you?
0: Hey. Hey Ron, how are you doing? I'm I'm right in the central part of Mississippi.
1: Okay, cool beans. All right, yeah, they uh, they they spelled it as Mi, which um, I guess maybe you know why Mississippi doesn't fit on the screen. We got to get a bigger monitor. So um, there you go, Miss-
0: Mississippi, Mississippi. almost on the
1: coast. All right, cool beans. What's going on?
0: Well, first of all, love the show. You you make Mondays a lot better because I always download the podcast on Monday, and you make me almost want to go to work on Monday.
1: Well, cool. I'm glad. Um, I really am. Uh,
0: The problem is I have a 2005 Toyota RAV4. It's my daughter's car. Um, Bought it about two and a half years ago. Had 62,000 miles on it at the time. And probably about nine or ten months after we bought it and it had maybe 10,000 miles added to it at the time it kind of developed kind of a rattling or kind of a buzzy rattle to it whenever you would first crank it up in the mornings when you would first notice it. You know, so as you crank it up, you hear it buzz just a little bit, rattle a little bit from the engine compartment. And when she would back out of the driveway, I'd be out watching her a lot of times, and then when she put it in drive to take off, you could hear it when she started to accelerate, kind of do the same noise, you know. So it was more like whenever first it was cranked in the morning, and when it's under a bit of a load, you know, like when you're accelerating or even if you're going down the road in traffic and you're giving it a little gas to pass or whatever, you would notice it then. But just constant speed, you don't really hear anything. Right. Um, so when I first heard it, I was thinking, well, maybe it's like a, a timing chain guide or something to that effect. Because it does sound like it's coming from right around the timing chain area on that side of the engine. And and then, you know, it's went on and, and and it's got about ninety-three thousand on it now, I think. And it really hasn't changed much as far as it, is it louder or does it do it more? It's been consistent the whole time, you know. But she's going to go to college next year, and I and I really don't want to just leave the what ifs out there. You yeah, know? So I get I'm it. trying to yeah. diagnose it a little bit better, and I've been reading and trying to see what else it could be. And you know, some some things you say, well, maybe it's a, a variable valve timing actuator cylinder, right you know? yeah the actuator yeah, that's right actuator yeah, right. and then sometimes you read the stuff well maybe it's the camshaft gear itself um so i'm, I'm trying to just or, get your opinion if you was like putting bets on it what what's more likely of those items that it could be
1: well you know and then the other the other what ifs are i've also seen it be the alternator or the water pump um i've okay. also i've also seen the timing belt tensioner cause a rattle Mm -hmm. so you know step one is what we what we usually what we'll do or what we usually tell people to do is take the serp belt off take the drive belt off and start it is the noise gone or not now you know the problem is going to be and maybe i misheard is it that the condition is there all the time now or it's only there cold when you first start it
0: no it's it's not only when it's cold it's when even when it's warmed up if you're accelerating, you know, so like if you're at a stop at a traffic light and you start right. to take off, that first, you know, up to five, ten miles an hour, you can hear that rattling a little okay. bit, you know, and then okay. once you kind of level out the speed and let off the gas and it's not under the load, then it don't you don't hear anything.
1: Right. So you know, this is going to be pull the serp belt off, start it up, rev it up. Is the noise gone?
0: Mm-hmm. It's as simple
1: okay. as that. If the noise is gone, then we know it's not timing chain because obviously the chain and all the cam gears and the actuator, everything's still there. If 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 it's going to be something else, and then we've got to figure out by turning pulleys, turning alternator, turning water pump, maybe putting the belt back on, listening with a mechanic stethoscope, trying to pin down where the noise is. Uh, you know, at least we've got a reference that it's outside of the engine, so to speak, and we can start to look yep. at those things. If the noise, let is, me just throw, yeah, go ahead.
0: I throw this out at you. Back, you know, a year or so ago, when I was first thinking about doing something about it, it looked like the uh, the serpentine belt was a little bit slack on it, you know. So I thought, well, maybe that was it at first. So I did go ahead and change out the uh, tensioner on it, and and it was needing to be changed. But while while I had it off, I did kind of like what you're talking about, and the other part was still there now when okay. i put the new tensioner on the serpentine belt it did help that part out because it got a lot of the vibration part out of that that you could see you know right but the the bigger or the main part which evidently is deeper into it was still there We're still there
1: so, so, so chances right. chances are it's 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 chain or actuator related uh, you know, but let's just, let's just try the step just for the formality of it when you're ready to take it apart. And then it'll probably right. be, yeah, the noise is still there. And then at least, you know, with a clear conscience. Because, you know, to divide it up, and here's, here's the other side of this. These, the four cylinder Toyotas like this do have a, a real issue with timing chain all right they've they've got some chain issues they've got some actuator issues and Toyota actually recommends replacing it as a set they're going to tell you to do you know to tell you to do chain tell you to do actuator um, you know as a as a group um okay. uh, you know as a as 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 separate pieces um so you know it's what? once you determine its chain that's kind of where you're going I'll tell you what Ken I don't want to rush you stay on the line let me pull over and take the pause we'll come back and finish up I'm running into the car doctor we'll be back right after this
2: on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right
1: 855-560-9900 now back to ron hey ken you're still there sir i am ron so i know you've got questions um why don't you ask them because i think you know what my answers are going to be but go ahead
0: all right well i guess let me ask this real quick as far as the the vbt solenoid part of the equation you know, I've heard some people say that that can get sludged up, and that can create the issue. Yep. Do you think that might be a good first step since it's on the outside of the engine, basically, and halfway easy to access? Maybe just go ahead and pull it out and take a look at it, and, and, and if it looks clean, maybe put a little voltage to it also just to make sure that it's engaging and disengaging like it should.
1: Well, if it wasn't engaging and disengaging, if it wasn't operating as it should... It would have Uh said a fault code by now, or it should have. Okay, got it. All right. right. Yeah, I had that. Have you seen the bulletin EG007-07? I, I cannot say that I have no um, get your hands on and read that it's about 16 pages long if memory 11 or six I don't know they love to you know for a world where we're trying to save trees and make cars run more efficiently we sure love to kill them when we print bulletins but um, uh, it, it talks about fault codes 11 12 or 16 VVT actuator related and and some of the issues and some of the ways to determine it so yeah I mean you can try it for sure if that's what you if that's what you'd like if you know obviously it's easier to get too here's what i was going to suggest all right okay the the degree of repair that you apply to this vehicle and and i'm speaking like a father that sent three daughters to college brother all right right Um, the the amount of repair you apply to this vehicle is directly related to how much she's going to depend on the car and how far away from dad's arm she's going to be (laughs) okay so depending upon where she goes to college if she goes to community college around the corner from the house the car will never break if, if she goes from Mississippi to Illinois, uh, you know, and she's taking the car, oh, boy, wait do you see the trail of parts it's going to leave behind. Um, you know, that's just right. the, that's just the way the universe works. So Absolutely. while you still have it in your grip, all right, this is the time to think about the overhaul all right, and getting ready. We, we know that the chains right. and guides are common failures. We know that the actuators are common issues. We know that the vehicle now has close to 100,000 miles on it. Gee, wouldn't it make sense to put a water pump on it now, you know, and, and, right. and, and, and do those repairs, and then maybe you could spread that out over the course of time and it wouldn't hurt the family budget so much, all right? That's right. You know, it's... And, it's. And go ahead.
0: Is the, is the camshaft gear part of that same equation when you're doing the other stuff? Is that one of the items they recommend doing? Yeah, I also? believe
1: I, I believe that's in the Toyota kit, the VVT sprocket, um, the upper cam okay. sprocket. I believe that's in there too. Because you know, this is how hard is it going to be to do when she's going away to school? Is she is she going to be hours away from home or days? No, she's
0: not going to be that far away.
1: Right. Um, but you know, it's like I said, it's directly related to how bad is she going to depend on the car. By the same token. Right. Um, you know, as a freshman, you know, maybe is she allowed to drive the car to college wherever she's going? Is, is... Yes, she will be. Okay, uh-huh. so she's at one of those schools, and that's fine. But just, you know, you got to look at the car as a complete package, because now now your time is really going to grow short. You're going to see all the right. car at Christmas and over the summer, and you're going to get to change the oil at Christmas, and you're going to get to do all the rest of the stuff, uh, you know, over the summer. So you've got to do that when it's not a rush, when she's not dependent upon the vehicle. And right, you know, right. the the way you maintain that car is about to change radically because time limits and the family budget. Uh right. just, just yep. been just and, been my experience. Three daughters through college over the course of fourteen years. I I've been there done that. Yep. So, and,
0: and the trouble of taking that time and cover off and, and if you're gonna do one, everything's right there in front right. of you anyway right. at that point. So Pro- proximity you, you might right. do it, I guess.
1: Proximity to yeah. repair. That's exactly right. That's right. right and That's you know right. and then when you take the water pump down obviously you're going to put fresh coolant in it you want to think about a thermostat you know if it's never had a radiator I'm not trying to you know bang the drum but if it's never had a radiator here it is 13 years old 100,000 miles now's a good time and 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 those are probably the critical things that I would be worried about at this mileage and I'm one of those guys that I change components based on time and mileage as well as condition I just did a I just did a trans in the Suburban, my 04 Suburban, 56,000 miles on it, puked the trans for whatever reason. And in the course of it, it needed a trans. The trans cooler lines that run forward were starting to rust. This is New Jersey. We, we've, we've invented rust here. We're shipping it to other states. And I said, you know, it needs trans cooler lines. I'll do that. But, you know, the trans cooler for the transmission is in the bottom of the radiator, the original radiator that's you know, 12 years old, 13 years old. Whatever, gee, why wouldn't I put a radiator in this? And, and so I did, and then I looked at the external oil cooler, and that was starting to rust and fall apart. And I might as well change that. And, you know, I could see the two little oil stands on the bottom of the A.C. condenser. I might as well change that. You know, I ended up, I ended up doing quite a bit of work to the truck, but it is, it's an 04. It's, it's, it's 14 years old and now I've got peace of mind, I'll go where I want and do what I want and not have to worry about it, and, you know, I've, 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 I've done everything else, and the rest is up to the big guy upstairs, and that just gives me peace of mind, and I think that's what you as the dad, you got to think of it from that perspective, and that's what you got to look at. Don't wait for the part to break. Do it now um, because it's going to help extend the life of the vehicle.
0: Okay, Ron. I, sh- I sure appreciate your time.
1: All right, brother. If you need me, you know where to find me.
0: All right. Thank, Thank
1: you. You're very welcome. You take good care. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, the radiator is so gosh darn important. That is the heat exchanger. You've got to think of it like that. That is the heat exchanger for the vehicle, and heat is what kills engines because they're, they're you know, you don't know the radiator's bad until it finally either breaks or the engine stops, you know, when the radiator starts to leak. But if, if you think about how a radiator fails, it fails because it gets restricted over time. All right, and don't think that these coolant flushes really do anything, folks, because the chemicals are so wimpy today that, you know, they wouldn't remove a dead bug from the windshield if you sprayed it on it. All right, It's, it's, it's more of a chemical treatment to help balance the system out, you know, from going acidic, and that's probably the extent of it. The real good chemical flushes don't seem to exist anymore. There's so many delicate metals inside of cooling systems today, you really don't want to use it. So that being said, when do you change a radiator? And changing a radiator at the 100, 110,000-mile mark, or maybe when it's older or maybe when you're doing a trans repair and all the contaminant from the trans is in the radiator cooler for the transmission, that's something to think about. You know what? You'll see that vehicle go longer. You'll see the vehicle run cooler. And and you'll see the uh, vehicle's air conditioning system work better because the, the radiator heat exchanger if I can say it like that, we'll be able to dissipate heat quicker as it absorbs it from the AC condenser, which is right in front of the radiator in the first place. 855 560 And when we come back, John in Biloxi, Mississippi, you're next up. Don't run away. I'm running Annie in the Car Doctor, and I'm coming to get you. Return right after this. Hey, welcome back. on the the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to uh, John Biloxi, Mississippi. John, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thanks for waiting, by the way. Oh,
2: thank you. I'm replacing the struts on my 90 Cavalier. Okay. And according to the uh, repair manual, it's saying um, spring seat must be installed with flat 10 degrees forward of the center line of the strut assembly spindle. And then they have a um, picture of the spring seat. And according to this, the center line of the spindle is some kind of a horizontal plane on top of the spring seat. Okay. On top of the metal spring seat, which I cannot see. And then they have. So let me ask. Wait a minute. Tide.
1: Wait a minute. I got to call time here. Wait a minute. W- w- oh. are, are you just replacing the strut?
2: Well, I had to take it apart to, to swap the, the spring itself out because. Um, I ordered a complete set of struts, and they sent the wrong springs, and so I had to put it, put my old springs back in the new strut. Okay, so what um, they're... What, what kind they're, of a long story.
1: Yeah, it's, okay. So, so because normally, and obviously you're using a strut compressor, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. So because normally this is, you know, grab it in the strut compressor, compress the spring... Pop the nut off the top. The, the cartridge falls out the bottom. You put the new cartridge in. You're done. But you're doing it where you have to replace the spring, so you have to re-index the spring, correct, to the old to the new strut because you have to disassemble the strut compressor to take the spring out, put the new spring in, compress it, and then put the strut in. Right? Yes. Okay. So right. let's let's throw the let's throw the book away for a minute because you're gonna you're gonna confuse yourself. All right. Um, when you put your shoes on your feet are facing forward, right? Co- common sense, okay? So what, what they're trying to get you to see is the indexing of or the positioning of your feet before you put your shoes on. They're trying to get the spring lined up in relation to the spindle and the steering knuckle itself, which is actually one and the same. So if, if you look at the old rubbers, look at the old, Upper spring mount isn't yes. isn't there a wear mark there where the spring was laying?
2: Right, um, we've already taken it apart. Right, we and didn't bother to look at the. There should be. There we've sh- already taken it apart and gotten it gotten it together, and then once we had it together, before we put it in the car, I just happened to read. I was I was looking for the torque specifications, and I happened to read this part about okay. the center line of the.
1: So now the question is: Do you put it together, or do you? Is it really right? If I understand you correct, where you're at, the question becomes: Do you put it together? Or do you take it apart and look again? Is is that a fair? Is that a fair question correct. on my part? Yes. Okay. So uh, can can I
2: say this on yeah. on the bearing plate that you that that um the very top that goes on top of the spring seat, there's also a flat space. Now, do those flat two flat surfaces supposed to line up?
1: I'm trying to remember what they looked like, but I I don't remember this being this complicated. It was a 90 Cavalier. Uh, you know, it was 90 GM the, stuff. The,
2: um, the top plate is kind of a gold color, like um, um it's the part that goes right up underneath the on the very top, and then right, on, the, okay. on the spring seat, So, so both, so both pieces have a flat
1: spot. Right, because what they're doing is they're indexing, they index, or they, they locate that upper spring seat to the top of the strut. The top of the strut has a flat on one side, correct? Yes, it does. Right, so they're indexing that spring seat to the top of the strut, all right? So let's think of it like this. Let's put it together wrong. If you, put, if you took the top of that strut where the flat is and put that upper spring seat on and then turn the upper seat 180 degrees, would the spring still line up in the seat up top and line up in the strut down bottom? Probably I don't, not. No. I don't think it would. I don't see how it could because the one end would be in the wrong position in reference to the top, right? The way the clock sp- – think of it okay. as a, a positioning on a clock chances are you've got yes. to, the chances are you've got to put together right the only concern i have okay at this point is is it assembled correctly that the the, the the ends of the spring are located in the respective ends of the seat safely so that they don't they don't you know they're they're positioned right so they don't pop out and fail and it, it, it's sort of impossible yes, to do it. but that's the only thing i would be looking at all right um, okay, so at, at this point I would probably I would put it together. Uh, you know you're, you're 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 20 minutes from putting them back in the car. I'd put it back together, you know, take it for a ride, do an alignment. Turn the wheel. If the wheel, if you hear no binding, no clunking, no noise, it's Miller time. Um, you're done. Uh, don't, um, don't overcomplicate so, it.
2: So so the spring seat and the plate above it that holds the bearing, they each have they each have a flat spot on one on one side. Right. I'll tell you what, John, don't, John, John,
1: don't, don't, don't. Let me, I don't want to rush you. Let me pull over and take this pause. We'll come back and finish this up. I'm running in the car, doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Let's get right to it. John, Biloxi, Mississippi, you're still there, sir. Sorry, I was up against the clock. I had to do okay. that. Okay, um, what
2: I was going to say was the, um, the bearing plate on top right. and the spring seat below it both have a, have a flat place on one side. Right. Um, they should probably be lined up, or correct? Correct. That, that, that it's sounds bearing like plate. a correct
1: statement. Right, that sounds like a correct statement. Okay. Right, because. Okay, so
2: I'll do that. that I just that, had one, one little quick question. Um, the two large bolts that hold the strut onto the spindle, does it matter which side you put the nut on? Because I noticed they were. The, the reason I'm asking that is on one side, when you when you take the um, when you try to drive the the nut the um, bolt out, it hits the brake line.
1: Hits the caliper, and, if I remember I mean
2: it. Right. It actually you you. So can I put it in the opposite way with the nut on the back or the front, opposite of the way it came from the factory? Probably. Um, or would that not be a good idea? You know, idea? And,
1: and I'll say it like this: if I was there looking at it, I could tell you better. You know. Nuts and bolts are nuts and bolts. They're, they're, they have no sense of which way they're going. As long as there's a washer okay. flange built into both the nut and the bolt so you get the same amount of crusher or compression against the strut, if you understand what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't think that's yeah. an issue. Here's what you have to think about whenever you're working on cars and you're doing something mm-hmm. like this. And it, it sounds cruel, but I swear it's the truth. You have to think about how many guys out there do it wrong and don't think twice about it. And the cars mm-hmm. are still on the road and nobody's gotten hurt um so okay we're about which way bolts and nuts are going i get it i mean listen i respect you you're trying to do it right i really am but don't don't overthink it and don't let it paralyze we you know it's analysis paralysis can kind of can hurt a repair in the long run too oh. um you know oh. it's it's like i said put it together you know see how the car goes down the road listen for noise turn the wheel lock to lock if the springs are on correctly Um, You know, if the springs are on correctly, you're not going to get any chatter, any noise. The wheel will turn correctly. If the bearing is in the right position, it'll all turn and go in the right direction. If you do have to take it apart, start looking for witness marks. There should be some sort of a witness mark in the rubber of where the springs were originally, if... They're out of position from what you've created here. And, um, you know, that'll help you in the long run further on down the road. And just one last comment, John. Um, It's amazing you've got a 90 Cavalier that's still running down in Biloxi, Mississippi, in New Jersey. That car would have rusted away 14 years ago and by now it would have been a sw- uh, be swept up on the shop floor. So I'm stunned that you're still driving a 28-year-old car. Good luck to you, and uh, I hope that helps. I'm running Annie in the car, doctor. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.